You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Hello and welcome to the latest news podcast for April, where we cover all the latest legislative and regulatory developments that advisors need to be aware of. Now, I'm your co-host, Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and joining me today is Tim and Kim, two of my senior technical services managers. G'day, guys. Hi, Craig. Craig. Okay, starting off with some housekeeping, and it relates to the First Tech app, which you may have on your iPhone or your iPad that you might actually be even using to listen to this very podcast. Now, just need to be aware that we've done a recent security update and you need to update your app before the 5th of May this year, so in a couple of weeks. Now, the easiest way to do this, if you haven't already, is open up your First Tech app and click on the Contacts tab at the bottom of the homepage, and then you'll see an Update the App app headings and simply click the update button underneath that and follow the prompt to update your app so it's that easy. Now you might be sitting there listening to this on an Android device and if you are what do you need to do? The answer is you don't need to do anything. Okay, um, the update only applies to Apple devices. Okay, moving off the housekeeping items and on to the latest news. Now I'm actually going to start off with some really good news to confirm that the ATO has in the last couple of days confirmed that they're going to be fixing an unintended consequence of the recent work test changes. Now, we covered this in the last latest news item from the from March. Now, what does all this relate to? It relates to the fact that when the government got rid of the work test changes that applied to people between 67 and 74, including up to 28 days after the end of the month, they turned 75 to satisfy a work test before they could make a contribution. Um, what they did is they didn't get rid of those rules completely. What they did is they transferred those rules out of the CIS regs and into the Tax Act to create a new age-based deductibility rule, which basically said if you're between 67 and 74, you've got to satisfy a work test or a work test exemption before you'll be eligible to claim a tax deductions for any personal contributions you make during that period or in that age Span. Now, the issue there was when the government actually moved the rules out of the CISREGs and into the Tax Act, the way they did it, it meant that it only covered off on common law employees. So, what that meant is that some people that are technically not a common law employee but are covered under the definition of an employee for superannuation purposes, and in this case, Think people like company directors, um, constitutional or statutory office holders, parliamentarians and um, members of the defence of the Australian Defence Force. All of those people are not technically a common law employee. So what happens there is the CIS Act has been amended to specifically capture those people and treat them as employees for the purposes of things like making contributions to satisfy the work test and also for SG purposes. Now, as I said, when they moved those rules across into the Tax Act, they didn't actually 
include that extra leg to cover those people that are technically not a common law employee but are an employee under the superannuation definition. As a result, all of those people are going to lose the entitlement to claim a tax deduction for their personal contributions from the 1st of July 2022. Now, what the government has done just in the last couple of days is they've uh, registered a draft legislative instrument to confirm that they're going to fix that issue. I, those people that are dealt with as an employee under the superannuation definition, they will also be eligible to claim a tax deduction where they satisfy that work test from the 1st of July 2022. So that's really good news. What else do we really need to think about? Not much. Um, once that comes through, assuming that it does, does get through and becomes final, um, then that will just mean that everyone that used to be able to make a contribution and claim a tax deduction for it will still be able to make a contribution and claim a tax deduction for it. Now, you might be going, what is the ATO doing releasing a draft instrument? Why, why isn't this being done by an amendment to the Tax Act? Well, we think this is quite late in the financial year. They probably would have done this in the federal budget, but it might be too late to get that in. So what they're doing here is by the ATO releasing this uh, draft legislative instrument, it does confirm that those people will be able to claim a tax deduction for the personal contributions, just basically buying the ATO and the government a bit of time. Okay, so that's great news. Okay, now enough of me. Kim, now I understand that you are particularly excited as the age pension age is finally reaching age 67 from the 1st of July this year. Yes, I'm very excited. Um, so that's right, from the 1st of July 2023, age pension age will be 67. Um, and as you know, it's been quite a while that the age pension age has gradually been increasing. Every two years, it's been jumping up by six months. Um, but finally, it's going to reach its destination of age 67 um, from the 1st of July 2023. And no further increases are legislated to the age pension age at this time. Okay, so thinking about that, that's both good news and bad. Mm. So good news in the context that Advisors no need no longer need to worry about whether someone's age pension age is 66 and a half or 66 or 67. As long as they've reached this age, uh, born after that relevant date, um, then their age pension age is 67 and bad because it just means they don't qualify for the age pension until age 67 instead of 66 and a half, for example. That's right. So the date is 1 July 57. So if your client is born on or after 1 July 1957, then you know their age pension age is 67 and you don't need to look up the table um, to, to determine their age pension age. So that'll be a bit of a relief. But, yeah, as you said, it does mean that um, people aren't eligible for the age pension if they're born after 1 July 1957 until 67. So, of course, we need to meet their income needs in other ways until that age pension kicks in for a lot of people. Okay, so I guess the age pension impacts also, obviously, your entitlement to the age pension. Yes. Um, but it also impacts uh, a range of other things. So what are they? Uh, well, uh, it's when the any superannuation that a client has that's in accumulation phase will become accessible under the income and assets tests once they reach age pension age. So that's an important thing to know when they're reaching that age, particularly mm -hmm. if you might have a younger spouse, for example. You might have one person on the age pension and they've got a younger spouse. When will their superannuation become accessible is when they reach age pension age. And also if they're not eligible for the age pension because maybe their income is too high or their assets are too high, they might go on to the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card and that's also um, dependent on being age, pension age. All right, terrific. Okay, so I think that's 
enough of you for now. We'll Fair come enough. back and we'll come back and chat to you later on. Okay. Um, now, Tim, moving on to the topic du jour, uh, and that being the three million super earnings tax threshold thingy. We don't actually know what it's going to be called yet, but it's basically a total super balance earnings tax, something along those. So as many people may be aware, at the end of February, the government announced that from 25-26, an extra 15% tax would apply to earnings attributable to the portion of a client's total super balance that is over $3 million. Now, Treasury has recently released a consultation paper providing some additional information about this proposal. So, Tim, do you want to, first of all, start off by reminding us um, how this is meant to work? Yep, sure can. Um, so firstly, where a client's total super balance is over three million at the end of a relevant financial year, so 25, 26 onwards under the proposal, um, then an extra 15% tax is going to apply to the earnings on the portion of their balance over $3 million. So simple example, if my total super balance was four million and I had $100,000 worth of earnings, then I'd be up for that 15% tax on a quarter or 25,000 of those earnings. Um, the tax is levied on the individual, so similar to the way Division 293 tax works, and, and they'll be able to pay it personally or elect for it to be released from uh, one of their super interests. Okay, so the important thing to understand here is the earnings calculation itself. Now, this is different, isn't it? It's broadly based on changes to a client's total super balance over a year, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And look, the earnings calculation is really where most of the complexity or the detail um, is involved in this, this sort of proposal. It's, it's not based on actual fund earnings or a deemed earnings amount, um, as we thought it might be um, when initial rumours about this proposal were uh, being floated. Um, so earnings for a financial year are going to be calculated um, broadly as the change in the client's total super balance from 30 June just before the financial year to 30 June through at the end of the financial year. Um, and then adjustments will then apply to add back withdrawals from that calculation and subtract net contributions because those two things cause movements in a client's total super balance that really have nothing to do with investment returns. Um, and then finally, where there's a year of negative earnings, um, then they will kind of be included, if you like, as well. They'll create an earnings loss and they can be carried forward to offset future positive earnings. Okay, so quite a new way of calculating an, an earnings amount. And I suppose two things that come out of that that potentially we may now be having to pay tax on unrealised capital gains. And also the one-third CGT discount is not going to apply. It's just figure out this earnings amount and, and tax it at 15%. So if that's unrealised capital gains that you would normally qualify for the, for the one-third CGT discount, you're not getting any sort of discount there. So the consultation paper was released by Treasury on the 31st of March um, and recently been closed for, for comments, so a very, very short consultation period. Um, there were a few further clarifications, though, in that consultation paper, weren't there? Yeah, there were a bit more clarification. So firstly, um, it was clarified that negative earnings are calculated, carried forward and applied on a gross basis. So that's before any proportioning towards the um, th balance over $3 million occurs. 
And that's really the opposite of what was what originally appeared to have been announced. Also, where someone's total super balance goes from being under 3 million to over 3 million or vice versa during a financial year, for earnings calculation purposes, that lower total super balance will instead be increased to be $3 million. And I think that's firstly to ensure that growth below $3 million doesn't count as earnings when you, your, your balance increases. And secondly, so someone whose balance drops below $3 million in a year can still get negative earnings in order to carry them forward. Okay. And, and, yep. Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, and then just one final thing. There's, there's still a lot of things we don't know about what will be net contributions and withdrawals to be adjusted. Uh, but the consultation paper suggests that where insurance proceeds are received into a member's super account or there's a family law transfer that comes across to their account, then those two things are going to be considered net contributions and adjusted out of that earnings calculation. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really important. Okay, and what about the definition of total super balance itself for the $3 million threshold? Was there clarification around whether it will be the existing definition and include both accumulation phase and retirement phase interests? Yeah, so the consultation paper essentially confirms the existing total super balance definition will be the default approach. So that, as we're aware, that does include both accumulation and retirement phase interests. Um, and they also include an example in that paper where the client has both types of interests counting towards that 3 million threshold. Uh, but the paper did ask for comments on whether whether any modifications to that total super balance calculation is going to be needed for the purposes of calculating those earnings. And finally, from what I read in the consultation paper, there are still a range of uncertainties specifically around defined benefit funds and, and how this tax is going to apply to those particular types of funds with more consultations still needed. So we'll need to stay tuned for further updates. And my guess is highly likely that that's probably going to be in the federal budget. I mean, it was a very, very short consultation period. So my guess is that they're, they're wanting to get that done and dusted and included in the, the federal budget that's coming up in early May. So we'll have to wait and see for that. Okay, enough of uh, this you know, $3 million new tax. Um, moving on to the stage three tax cuts, and the removal of the low and middle income tax offset. Um, Tim, I guess we're going to be watching the next two federal budgets to come between now and 1 July 2024. But at this stage, the government has indicated it doesn't propose to reverse the stage three tax cuts. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. That's that's all we've heard so far. So the former government had legislated a three-stage tax plan, um, as many people would be aware. And the, the first two phases really targeted at low and middle income earners are already in place. And stage three is already legislated to commence on 1 July 2024. And as I mentioned, the government so far indicated that there's no proposal to change or reverse those already legislated cuts. Okay, now these phase three tax cuts have been coming for quite some period of time. Um, so I think probably a lot of people have forgotten what they are. Do you want to uh, give us a summary and, uh, and summarise the potential tax cuts? Yeah, so the two key, uh, two to three key changes are firstly removing the $180,000 uh, income tax threshold and then increasing the current $120,000 threshold right up to $200,000. And then separately, reducing the 32.5% marginal tax rate down to a flat 30%. 
Um, so the impact of those changes is that marginal tax rates on income right from $45,000 to $200,000 um, will be 30% rather than what it is at the moment. And it's just the top rate that, of 45% that will apply beyond that. So okay. what does it, that mean? Yeah, so in terms of tax savings, um, compared to the rules as they are at the moment, this change, look, it does benefit high income earners more. So if you're earning $45,000 in taxable income, you're going to get no tax saving. You're earning $100,000, then it's around about $1,400 annual tax saving. And then earning $200,000 um, is a bit over a $9,000 annual tax saving. Okay, so obviously tax savings very much targeted at the higher income earners. Um, but I suppose the, the important thing to note there is we've already had phase one and two of these tax changes come through and they, and they were very heavily aimed at those those lower income levels. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the low and middle income tax offset. So this was a temporary tax offset, which ceased last financial year, and it's likely it won't be extended? Yeah, that's right. So the Lamington, as it's known, is it's a temporary tax offset that applied from 2018-19 through to last financial year. Um, and it applied to people earning up to about $126,000. And the amount of it did get changed along the way, but in the latest iteration, it provided an offset of up to fifteen hundred, about $1,500, depending on income. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was paid at tax time rather than via the PAYG system. So what that meant is, um, I guess what it means is people are still benefiting from that, the impact of that in this year as they submit their tax returns for last financial year. Um, so it's not extended in the, it wasn't extended in the October budget last year. Um, and also just, just after Easter in a press conference, the Treasurer strongly inferred that it's not going to be extended uh, further. So if we assume that it's not extended, then people who had received Lomito um, and now won't face an effective tax increase of up to around $1,500. Right. And when the Stage 3 tax cuts come in, will those people then get some tax relief back via that? Uh, depending on their situation, yes. Um, but it's important to note that they won't necessarily get that full $1,500 oh, back. $1, Some may still be facing a, a effective tax increase. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tim. No problem. Okay, Kim, back to you. So let's discuss uh, the federal budget, which I've already mentioned, um, coming up on the 9th of May. Now, First Tech will be staying up all night, as per usual, um, and emailing out our budget briefing in the early hours of the 10th of May, as well as client communications that you can use to help communicate with your clients. Now, we'll also be running three webinars for advisors uh, to get up to speed with the budget, which I think, Kim, uh, Tim, you're actually going to be hosting rather than me because I have to stay up till 6am signing all this stuff off, so I'm in no fit state to, state to be talking I'll, to anyone. I'll be raring um, to go. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, Kim, how can advisors register for the federal budget webinars? 
Yes, we sent an email on the 6th of April with some links to register for the webinar. So hopefully you've already registered. But if you haven't, don't worry, it's not too late. Um, if you look on the First Tech site under latest news, you'll see um, some registration links there so you can register for the webinars. Right. Normally very, very popular. So um, yeah, tune in if you can. Um, other than that, I think that wraps it up, guys. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. No problem. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.